Welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast, the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney for something a little bit different. We'll do our best to sort of stay away from Cristiano Ronaldo discussion and Frankie de Jong discussion and sort of centre a little bit more around what sort of Man United fans sort of are brought up on and sort of do enjoy a little bit more and a little bit of sort of talk about the youth system and sort of the season ahead for some of the youth players under Eric Ten Hag and who better to um, get back on the podcast. It's been a while. I was talking to Larry a little bit earlier. We um, had Ben Thornley on our podcast, well, it was probably about the start of the pandemic, um, it was episode 106. So um, if you still do listen to us on audio-only platforms, um, you didn't pick that one up, go back to episode 106. And uh, it was a good chat about Ben, uh, sort of about Ben's career at Man United and sort of the youth setup and challenges that he obviously faced, et cetera, and what a fantastic story it was. But before we sort of get into all that, Ben, again, um, first of all, great to see you, mate, looking well. <laughs> Thanks very much, Tom. Yeah, nice to be here again. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I, I think it's one of those things with sort of Man United fans we discuss so often online in terms of the Ronaldo situation is dominating the headlines. Frankie de Jong is sort of that's never going to go away, and we get so heavily invested in these type of stories, and I think rightly so. But at the end of the day, it's good to just sort of sit back and just sort of remember what Man United sort of is built on and the things we actually do enjoy as fans, and that is obviously sort of talking some of the young players coming through it. And, and I think it is an exciting crop. We'll sort of talk about sort of the crop you came through with as well. But obviously, 30 years later in 2022, got FA Youth Cup winners again. So um, it will be interesting. We obviously did see some of them on the pre-season tour. So um, I'll just say today to some guys in the live chat. Edgar, good to see you. Ben can give us some insight, being the next youth player. 100%. Adam, good to see you, mate. And Sankath here from the Supporters Club. Always good to see you, mate. So on that, Ben, look, we'll dissect into individual players and we'll go into what your thoughts and feelings towards them for the season ahead. What do you make of this current group in terms of, look, you go back to your time in terms of what a fantastic team it was and what sort of those individuals went on to to achieve. Then you look, it was back in sort of Jesse Lingard and Paul Pogba's era that they won the Youth Cup. Now here we are 30 years later, um, this class of 22 has finally done it. What a great achievement. But it's, it's something that doesn't happen too often. Like in terms of you think Man United, okay, well, there's such a fantastic youth history, which there is. We don't go and win this tom- competition every single season. There is quite a gap in between it. So just um, just your thoughts on this current group of players and sort of the achievement that it was. Yeah, um, I mean, I've I've um, I've been watching the the FA Youth Cup, you know, with, with great interest over the years, and um, and you know, lucky enough to be doing the commentary on it and. Uh, there have been times where you, you know you do get excited. Um, there was a couple of years ago they, they they knocked out Chelsea, who have pretty much dominated this you know that competition for I would say probably for you know sort of seven, eight, even ten years. Um, and they drew them really early in the third round, uh, knocked them out in a terrific game, four uh, three. And then you you just think to yourself, well, that is pretty much the favourites out of the way of the competition. Mm. And then in the very next game, they were completely outplayed. But, uh, by a Brighton team um, who were excellent on the day. They didn't go on to win it, uh, but maybe, you know, the, the lads probably thought, not having knocked Chelsea out, that, you know, it would have been an easy route to the final, but it just goes to show that it is a very difficult competition to win. Um, and that's what makes what the lads did last year with, like you say, Tom, such a gap in between the last time that Manchester United won it. You know, it was, it was the era of, of your Jesse Lingard, your Paul Pogba's, and indeed they played against Harry Maguire in the same final yeah. for Sheffield United. Uh, and that was all the way back in 2011. So it's an 11-year gap since they won it. Um, but I have to say that they were excellent. They, they scored goals. Uh, they defended extremely well. Um, they had a, a, a terrific unit between them. Uh, and it looked like as well that they you know, they got on extremely well off the field, which is exactly what, what happened when we 
when we first won it back in 1992. And that set of a bit of a precedent. You know, we won it again in 95. Uh, and everybody sort of jumps from 95 to 2011 when, when the, the Lingard, Pogba, Keane brothers eras, uh, Ravel Morrison, when they mm. won it. Uh, but people forget that they also won it in, in 2003 as well. But uh, for a club like Manchester United, who build uh, you know a, a lot of their foundations on bringing through youth players, it is really strange that, uh, that there are such gaps between and winning the Youth Cup. Um, and there have been times during that period when when they've gone out, you know, to unfancied teams very, very early. Um, and Sir Alex Ferguson, when he first came in, as Eric Harrison, who was who was our manager back in the day, um, they, they put a tremendous tremendous emphasis on 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 how important the youth cup was to this club. Um, when you think back to the Busby Babes in the fifties and the consecutive wins that they had in it. Uh, and then there was a huge gap of like sort of twenty seven years before we won it again in the early nineties. Um, and that was something that he was really, really keen for, for, for the club to do well in. So it's brilliant that they've won it again last season. They thoroughly deserve to. Um, and it's now what they do with their careers and how much they can kick on from that. Yes, it's the first tournament, first trophy that most of them will have won. Uh, but how many more are they, are they setting their sights on? Yeah, definitely. There's a question here from Matt of ours, a member of the supporters club here, um, Troy. And look, we'll try and save some of your questions towards the end. And if you've got anything specific to ask, Ben, do sort of hold your horses and we'll get those in at the end of the pod. But just a quick one here when we're talking about these youth players and coming through. Just a question here for you. Who was the tip um, coming through the ranks to break to the first team and make the position in his side? His own? Like, is there someone that you have followed over the last couple of years? Obviously, there are big names and it might be a name like a Ganacho or someone like that. But is there a name that you've really sort of watched over recent times? Okay, yeah, I can see something in him. Um, well, there's a there's actually a lad who's um, who's just gone out on loan to to Preston for the season, yeah. Alvaro Fernandez, who who for me uh, was pretty much the pick of the not so much the under 18s because he's he's elevated himself into the under 23s. I think he's 19 now. Um, I, I think he, he's got a real shot and it's a really good move for him, especially with, you know, Eric Ten Hag bringing in a, another fullback in, in Tyrell Malassia. Uh, he probably felt as though his, you know, his, you know, his chances were going to be curtailed this season uh, when he was, like I said, the pick of the, of the under-23s throughout the whole season last year. I think he has got a, has got a real chance. He's a, he's a free-flowing fullback who loves to get forward, can score goals, um, has got, is pacey as well. Uh, and has got a real good understanding of the game. But there are other players as well that I saw coming through the youth team. You mentioned Alejandro Ganacho, who's a real exciting talent. We didn't really see too much of him, uh, if anything, really on the tour. But he is somebody that um, that I'm sure Eric Ten Hag will be keeping a close eye on this season when he, again, goes up into the under-23s and, and wants to be knocking on the door of certainly the first-team squad and certainly the squad of 25 that Eric Ten Hag will have to pick very, very soon for his season. Um, there are other players as well. Um, Kobe Mainu, who was a stalwart in the midfield for the for the under 18s last year, a real strong physical presence in the centre of the park. Uh, we, we are at the moment blessed with some with some real, real talented youngsters, um, and it's up to obviously themselves and the coaching staff to be able to manage them and, and see where the where their best path is, where their best path is. Easy for me to say, mm. uh, and whether that is to. You know, it's to it's to persevere at Manchester United for the time being and, and get themselves established in the under twenty threes, or whether it, there might be a window of opportunity for them to go and and, and play regular sort of men's football, if you like, um, in the football league, but hopefully not too far down the spectrum. 
That is a segue into the next thing. You mentioned the tour and the sort of difference between senior football and sort of youth football. And sort of get your perspective on this from your time coming through and also what you've seen over recent times of, of this current group of players. But two players who did stand out on the tour, and here we are with first glance of them, or first up glance of them here in Melbourne in Charlie Savage and Zidane Iqbal, when they both came on, very impressive. And a lot of sort of Man United fans have concerns about our central midfield, and you see two young players come in with all the ability that they have. You think, oh, hang on, here's two players who can sort of jump in and fill that role. Now, that is extremely different. I still remember my first preseason coming through at 17, 18. He's old. I wasn't a goal scorer. I must have scored six or seven goals in preseason. I was absolutely flying. No one could touch me. I got the first 45 minutes of the season, I was hooked at halftime. It was a different, it was like I was playing a different sport compared to pre-season, compared to when points are up for grabs. And it really sort of was a shock to the system. So we see Charlie Savage with Cesar Bell show fantastic quality on the ball in pre-season. We think, yep, they could slot in, that they could sort of play 10, 15 games for us. It is different um, pre-season football to men's first-team football when points are on the line. So just what do you make of those two in pre-season? Because they were standouts in my opinion. But again, how, how much weight can you put on performances in pre-season? Like, could Eric Ten Hag see enough in those? Um, that was to display physically as well to um, put their put his eggs in the, those baskets for the upcoming season. Well, I think that pre-season, um, yes, you're quite correct that you know you don't read too much into pre-season, but I think that especially when it's a new manager that's coming into the club, um, it's an important time for him to integrate the you know the the, the sort of fringe players, if you like. Uh, for the following season, just to see how they stand up, not just physically, but mentally as well, when you're coming up against the likes of Liverpool and Crystal Palace and Aston Villa, all teams and very, very good teams that you know we will have to face during the, during the upcoming season to see in front of huge crowds as well, how they cope with it. And I thought the pair of them cope with it extremely well. Uh, you can also include James Garner in that. I mean, we didn't see a lot of James Garner because he was carrying a slight knock for quite a lot of the tour, but he did come on in the final game and obviously he's had wonderful experience um, with Nottingham Forest, who ended up being promoted. Um, and he would have been, a, a, you know, a slight crossroads thinking, you know, will I be able to, 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 to do this at Manchester United? Or am I better saying, well, you know, I've really enjoyed my time playing first team football at Notts Forest, who are now a Premier League side. You know, can I go and do it, uh, you know, at, at that at that club? Um, but Charlie Savage and, and Zidane Iqbal have come into the fold um, and I, I have to say that they complement each other really well in the in the different styles. Um, I think Zidane is more of a he's more of a, of a player that wants to excite players. He wants to get on the ball. He wants to make things happen. And Charlie Savage, who sits a little bit deeper, has got a terrific terrific range of passing, both short and long. Um, and he's got a great engine as well, uh, which hopefully you know in in the season to come will encourage him to be able to you know go box to box and to be able to join in because you know I saw him score a couple of terrific goals in the under 23s last season, um, and he is a very simple style, but he keeps the ball moving. He to, I noticed in pre-season, you know, as I have done for for the whole of last season, that he takes you know just two or three touches and he keeps the ball moving. He wants to look forward. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes he he does. Choose the choose the wrong pass, but you know there are seasoned professionals that do that when when there isn't a pass on. But that is the time to do it in pre season when there's not really much hanging on it, other than giving the manager um, a bird's eye glimpse of of what you know he may be able to bring to the team at any stage that he wishes to choose him, whether it by being on merit, whether it be being by suspension, you know, however it is that it comes about. Then certainly Zidane Iqbal and Charlie Savage and James Garner have given 
Eric Ten Hag, uh, uh, you know, something to think about when the season starts. I think, they, yeah, I agree with you. I thought they were excellent, the pair of them. But they handled the occasions brilliantly. Yeah, well, I'd love to see them both be sort of regular fixtures in the Europa League sort of set up and sort of try and get one or two minutes there. And if they can take advantage and they put in a good display. And as you say, in terms of youth play coming through, a lot of it, unfortunately, or depends what side of the fence you sit on, does come down to luck of play being injured and you finally get your chance. You look at Marcus Rashford, what a career he's gone on to have. Um, the sort of unique circumstances he found himself getting his debut in terms of injuries in the warm-up. That was unfortunate for other people. He took his chance. And now that sort of rest is history. So fingers crossed they do get their chance this season. And as you say, it is up to them sort of take their chance. Now, the big name who have mentioned once or twice in regards to Alejandro Ganacho, I don't know how reliable reports these reports are, but it does look as though he's likely to sign a new contract at Manchester United, which I'm sure all the fans and everyone does agree with and think he's the right decision. And it will be great to see to tie him down because he's one of those players who obviously does excite. And it's a Manchester United player, that type of wide attacking forward, can score goals, exciting player. It's exactly what we want. I just want your opinion, though, and you can tie this back into your time when you were coming through and obviously the big personalities and a Ryan Giggs and a David Beckham. Now, obviously, we're in a different era 30 years later, but just if you can tie it in as well. We did notice down in Melbourne, and you could say, give us reasoning for this. Is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? Love to get your opinion on it. It does seem like Anacho is very sort of protected by the club in regards to doing media. And I'm not calling for him to do interviews or anything, but it's very much a withdrawn role in regards to... He wasn't any of the appearances in regards to signing for fans or anything or doing those interviews. Now, I think that is a good thing, but I also think players do need to be exposed as well in terms of how can they deal with these certain pressures because it is part of the, sort of the learning curve at Manchester United. So just what have you made of the club sort of the dealing with Alejandro Ganacho? Are they doing it the right thing? Would you do it a different way? And obviously, any of experiences for when you were coming through with the likes of yourself, Giggs, Beckham, etc.? Well, when we um, when we first got to the club, I remember there was a there was a group of us, and um, apart from Ryan, who sort of already been through that, uh, the lads that were actually my age, like you, David Beckham's, Gary Neville's, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, we actually sort of went to Old Trafford in an afternoon, and and uh, with one of the local radio presenters, uh, and sort of had an afternoon of learning how to deal and how to cope with with the media, both speaking to somebody and speaking down the camera, which I always find very, very difficult when mm. you've, you know, when you've actually not got somebody there to, to, to coax you. Um, and that was, that was basically all that we did. Uh, and I think what the club have to do is be able to trust players. And I realise that with, you know, with journalism and with social media, then it's very, very easy for something that they say to, to be, you know, to be misquoted or to be misconstrued. Uh, and I think in that respect, the club are really, really good that they want to make sure that they're in the right environment, speaking to the right people where things like that cannot happen because the backlash can be terrific and it can really destroy somebody mentally when, yeah. you know, when you've actually done nothing wrong and out the goodness of your heart, you're doing an interview with somebody and before you know it, your words have been twisted and, and everything gets blown out of proportion. So I think from that aspect and as well um, with, you know, with him, with him, English not being his first yeah. language either. You know, I think that the club are really, really good in making sure that young players are are confident in go, you know, in going up in front of the in front of the cameras. And obviously, the 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 further up the spectrum you go, and the more exposure you get, then the more likely it is that you are going to be speaking to press on a more regular basis. And the club do want to make sure that you know they they look after the young players when they're being exposed to that, so that they know that when that does happen 
they've you know they, they've got the the wherewithal to be able to deal with with whatever is thrown at them question wise. So I I I am quite happy for for the way that the club are dealing with the young players, especially somebody like Alejandro Garnacho, who, who will have you know created a huge following last season with his performances and uh, and he was arguably that you know the best player in the in the youth cup last season scored some terrific goals and scored some very important goals late on in games as well when i don't understand how he had still had the stamina to score some of them mm. uh, that he scored at the end of uh, you know real hard fought hard fought games um but that is something that he will he will learn to cope with and that the club will will help help him along with as well it's a fantastic point I didn't really sort of pick up on or take any note of. You talk about the language, and that's something very similar just in terms of the confidence thing and, as I say, that lost in translation sort of thing. That is something yeah. that a lot of our young players just sort of do need to deal with. And it's a bit of a segue into the next player I want to touch on. Before we start to wrap up, I was lucky enough to meet him down in Melbourne, but Hannibal. And I found the time that he was in a sort of there's a private room, about 20 of us sort of thing, and we're having a chat with him. And you could tell like, he was friendly and polite and respectful, but English wasn't his first language. He was quite hesitant in regarding that he was giving very, not scripted answers, but very careful in what he was saying, which was good. But it was just one of those things that was a bit of an eye opener for me. But I just wanted your thoughts on Hannibal because he is one of those players who I think maybe it's because the hair, that's why he stands out on the football pitch. But he's also a player who does stand out in regards to he gets about the pitch, he's physical, he's obviously got tremendous quality. At a young age, he plays for Tunisia. He's going to play against Australia at the World Cup um, later this year. So he's obviously got a little bit about him as a footballer. I just wanted your thoughts on him as a footballer because there's a few rumours, as you can see, the ticking banner down below that he's going to go on loan as well. One of the Midland clubs is potentially after him. I've seen both West Brom and Birmingham potentially linked with a season-long loan. Just your thoughts on Hannibal as a player, because he is one of those players who have about two or three years now have really sort of wanted to see a little bit more of him, and he sort of sort of filtered through into the first team here or there. Obviously, Eric Ten Hag has spoken highly about him on the tour. It's one of those things where Eric Ten Hag has had an A team and a B team in on this tour, and unfortunately, when Hannibal has come on, he's almost played in a, I wouldn't say unfortunate, I think any minutes are good for a young player, but he's almost played in a number nine role or a false nine role. I'm just thinking, what do you think of him as a player, as someone who's watched him closely? Um, where could he fit in in an Eric Ten Hag system? Um, I mean, I've seen him play in, in, in all sorts of roles in the in the under-23s last season, uh, where he was probably, um, and like you said, something to do with the way that he looks might you know might have him as a target for, for, for other players as well. But he was certainly the most fouled player in the, in the under-23s last season. Uh, and that is because, yes, he is targeted, but yes, he is talented as well. He's got terrific feet. He's got a really good engine. He's got an eye for a goal. He's got an eye for a pass. Um, and even with his sort of, you know, slight physique, uh, which, you know, he, he will need to, to, to fill out a little bit if he, you know, if he is going to be um, a, a sort of mainstay in the United squad. Uh, he's not, we saw, you know, what he did against Liverpool when he came on. Um, all right. You know, the, the, the game was already dead and buried, but he came on and, and showed the fight that everybody you know, mm. wants to see from a Manchester United player in any game, never mind against Liverpool. So, you know, he's got that in his locker as well. The only thing that I would say about Hannibal, and I go back to, to my time, is that, and, and I know how difficult it is, is that when you are targeted and, and you are, a, a, a you know, a sort of skillful player that likes to beat players and you are going to be on the receiving end of some, of some quite rough treatment, is to channel that and saying, give me the ball and, you know, come and do it again. I'm not, it's not going to bother me if you kick me, you know, if, you, if you're elbowing me, if you want to shove me off the ball illegally, whatever. I'm just going to keep getting on the ball and I'm going to frustrate you. 
sometimes he frustrates himself and his teammates because of, of his reaction. Um, and Hannibal is too good a player to not have on the field. And sometimes he just needs to channel that aggression that he's got and that ability that he's got on the ball into into making sure that he's frustrating his, his you know his opposition and not his own teammates. Uh, and once he can he can learn to do that, um, I think he, he is going to be a terrific player. Nobody's got a crystal ball, so nobody knows mm. you know who is going to make it in Manchester United's first team. Yes, you can have all the ability in the world, but we've already spoken about it. You do need that little bit of luck as well. And you have to have a manager that is prepared to you know, promote the youth. Uh, and I don't think that there's a problem with that with Eric Ten Hag at all. We've seen the amount of players that he, he was prepared to, to throw into the fray when we were on tour. Yes, being in the Premier League and Champions uh, UEFA Europa League season is very, very different. But coming from a club like Ajax, where they have a fantastic youth system and he knows what 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 it's all about in being able to promote youth players, um, then I don't think that's going to be an issue either. These lads have just got to knuckle down. They've got to listen. They've got to learn along the way. Um, and I think that, you know, during the course of a season, and especially this season, that he's so, so condensed with the World Cup falling where it is, there's going to be a lot of games in a short period of time. October, for example, United have got 10 games, you know, potentially 10 games, which is a game every three days. And there's no way that he can stick to one starting 11 because it, it, it's just in, it, not impossible. Mm. But with a yeah. squad, that's why you have a squad of 25 and players will get games and they have to make sure that they are at the forefront of the manager's mind when it comes to, to him, you know, mixing it up a little bit. And Hannibal is definitely one of those, along with other lads that we've mentioned. You talk about the learning, and just to wrap up on Hannibal there, you, you talk about a learning experience of a player, and let's keep this specific to Hannibal himself. Is it lazy of me then to just say pretty much the perfect solution this season is to send him on loan to the championship and see how he can deal with sort of that? Not that the Premier League is not physical, it's extremely physical, but obviously the stereotype of the challenges that the championship does bring in terms of what he does need to learn in terms of channeling that energy. Is that almost the perfect breeding ground to see how he develops? Do you know what I think? I think it could be. I'm not suggesting for one second that that is the you know the only option for Hannibal to leave Manchester United for a season and go on loan. Um, but I think that maybe being able to learn from playing, you know, adult men's football, um, knowing that you're going to be playing in front of a crowd every week, and knowing that you're going to go to away ground somewhere where not just the the players on the pitch are going to be targeting you, but the but the you know the fans as well. I think that will be a huge learning curve for him to be able to channel in that aggression into you know what I said earlier about you know if you're going to kick me, I'm not going to bother. You know I'm I'm looking to the referee to protect me at times, of course. Um, but you know I think that what you have to do is use the fact that you're being kicked to your advantage and to frustrate the opposition. And I've seen it doing. I've seen him do that on many many an occasion. But I have also seen him have little flashpoints where he's perhaps cost the team by getting a red card, by by reacting. Um, and you can understand why he does. But I think mm. that, you know, the coaches will be will be working with him all the time to make sure that that, that aggression that he's got is not curtailed, but he's just channeled in the right way. No, definitely. I agree 100%. So we'll start to wrap up now. Um, if you do have any questions in the live chat, do throw them in the chat and we'll um, direct them towards Ben before we do wrap up. Just one here from Josh. Um, saying, do you think the success of the youth team last year was underrated? For a while, everyone has said our infrastructure is far inferior to the likes of Liverpool and City, so to win the Cup was good going. So maybe you can keep that question there in your mind, Ben. I'll rephrase that a little bit in regards to 
how, how are you judging the success of a youth system? Is it the trophies and FA Youth Cups? Is it how many players come through? We've obviously seen the fantastic record United still have of a youth product still in the first match day squad since 1930-something. Is that where the success is? Is it a Marcus Rashford, someone going on to have a great career? Like how, how are you managing, how are you sort of evaluating a Man United youth set up at the moment? Because as Josh said, it has come in for some criticism. But then if you look at other clubs around the country, you think, well, hang on, it really shouldn't. We're still sort of leading the line. Well, I think that when you first come to a club like Manchester United, the, the first thing that you, you do gear yourself up for is to try and win the Youth Cup. And obviously you've got two, you know, you've got two years to, to try and do that. So that is the first thing because it, it's it's very, very unusual for a club like Manchester United. And there are other clubs as well, you know, like your cities and your, your Liverpools, your Spurs, your Chelsea's, whereby you, you do break into a first team and, and, and gain regular first team football before you're 18 years of age. So I think anything on top of, of going out and, and concentrating on winning the Youth Cup, being involved with the first team is a huge bonus. But from there on in, I think a club always is, is going to be judged with how many players that you can actually not just bring through the system, but that can actually feature in your your youth, uh, sorry, in your, in your first team. Now, I, I'm, I'm from an era whereby it was pretty much unprecedented that we had five or six of, of those players that went on not just to play, you know, sort of 30 or 40 games, but went on to play hundreds and all, thousands of games between them um, and win countless trophies. So you don't want to set that as a benchmark either, but it's certainly something that, you, you know, you're going to work towards. And when you have a, a season like the under-18s did last year, where they won the Youth Cup, um, they pronounced themselves as the best team in the country, um, you know, the, the results don't lie. If you, you know, you beat everybody before you and you win that trophy, then you are. But it's it's what you can go on and do after that, how you can improve and, uh, and, and what it is that you have to do and what you have to identify within yourself to be able to dislodge the, hmm. the current members of the first team. And like I said, that is very, very difficult when you're at a club like Manchester United that, that can, you know, when they, when they see an issue... They, they just go out and buy for that position. Um, but there have been numerous occasions over the years where that has not been the case. And yes, I suppose for a long time back, it did start with the likes of David Beckham and Gary Neville, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes. Um, obviously, Ryan Giggs was already established. Um, I mean, I only made a handful of appearances because of the, the injury that I sustained. But we had other players like Robbie Savage, Charlie's dad, um, yeah. um uh, Keith Gillespie, Chris Casper, John O'Kane, who although didn't stay at the club, went on to have you know terrific careers. So just because you you might not be fortunate enough to make it at Manchester United doesn't mean that you're not yeah. good enough. Circumstances might suggest that um, that you're you're going to be able to 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 sort of bear fruit elsewhere, and that is what you know certainly the the last names of that group did. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that is something that's quite often overlooked by fans in terms of we're very selfish as fans saying, oh, we want the players for our club. Ultimately, only very, very few, not not too many players actually do come through. A huge part of it is just developing the footballers as footballers and also as people to go on and have careers in whatever field they do choose. Because even if you do come through the Man United youth system, you might not have a career in football. You don't know how these things are sort of going to pan out. So I think that is a huge thing of the development of young players. But we'll start to wrap up in a little bit. And I'll look, I'm try not to throw Ronaldo into this discussion or Frankie de Jong into this discussion, but feel free. But you mentioned in terms of investment and sometimes it's hard for a young player to come through. 
But if you're the manager in terms of Eric Ten Hag, how, with the challenges our first team has at the moment in regards, not so much the challenges our first team has, but you do look at the quality of City and Liverpool and there is a gap to make up in terms of the name at the moment everyone's on, on about is Anthony in terms of his right-wing position. Go get Anthony and who knows what Ike's want for him, whether it be $60 million or $100 million. He's going to cost a lot of money. With the job Eric Ten Hag has at his disposal now, are you looking at a youth player and thinking, well, in terms of what I need, I need to coach, I need to get players and to just working in my system sort of thing. Could you see him shine away from sort of a big money deal in terms of a player like an Anthony or see the – obviously he does want Frankie De Jong, but could he see the benefits if a Frankie, Frankie De Jong doesn't come off? He could really sort of put some weight behind one of the youth players in terms of see the benefits of using them over one of the big money signings. Yeah, I think uh, with the with three players that we mentioned earlier in the show, um, you've got Charlie Savage and Zidane Iqbal, but you've also got James Garner, uh, who I haven't just seen in the past twelve months. Um, I've been watching James Garner for you know for a good number of years, um, and he's got the he's got the right physique. He's got a terrific engine. He can score fabulous goals. He's got a great understanding of the game. Um, I, I, he can play in a two or a three. He can hold. Uh, I, I think somebody like him should uh, the the deal for for Frankie De Jong, and we understand why at the moment that is a little bit of a stalemate because of his position um, over in Barcelona with the monies that he's owed. Um, how long is it before Eric Ten Hag thinks? Well, do you know what? Um, you know, I could start turning my head a little bit to the the players that I took on the tour, and especially somebody like uh, right from the start, if you like, uh, somebody like James Garner. Who, um, who has had a terrific season at Nottingham Forest, uh, helped his team, uh, you know, to get promoted into the Premier League, um, and and for me, the type of player that that Frankie De Jong is, obviously he's got the experience, but you know, you don't gain experience unless you're given it, yeah. uh, and somebody like James Garner, I feel, would definitely not be out of place coming into Manchester United's first team, um, and and showing Eric Ten Hag and his coaching staff and himself. That um, that he can live with football at the at the very very highest level. Look, I've I've been so impressed with James Garner, and I think it's one of those things. Here I am. I'm not here saying send every player to the championship so they learn how to deal with the physicality. But from what I did see him at Forest last season, one in a couple of FA Cup runs, I think they played a few um, Premier League teams, had a couple of good runs there, and obviously saw him in the playoffs. Obviously, there's no hiding from the quality James Garner has. But the one thing that was very impressive to me was his physicality. He's not, he's not just getting on the ball and spraying passes or scoring goals. He was in the tackles. He was winning his duels sort of thing. And I think to do that at a young, at a young age in a league like the Championship, it's the perfect sort of passing that test to sort of thrive at Manchester United. As you say, um, whether he gets that chance or doesn't, that'll be up to Eric Ten Hag and himself. But just as Man United fans, that is, look, I'm not going to say no to Frankie De Jong signing. But if not, I'm definitely going to see the positives of someone potentially getting their chances in a Frankie De Jong. But pretty much just wraps up. Quick half hour pod, Ben. It has been an absolute pleasure. And um, as Great I said, episode. Yourself, thank you. And as I said, episode 106 back on our audio podcast app, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. If you haven't listened to that, um, that's the start of the pandemic. Um, we had a chat with Ben about his sort of United career and sort of coming through and sort of the challenges that he did face. I've got it here, Ben. One sec. If I can reach it. You can give this a bit of a plug. It's still got it in terms of the book. I'm telling you, not just because you're on the pod, I'm telling you. <laughs> everyone here sent out a copy of this to the Supporters Club, uh, signed copy, which absolutely fantastic. But, Ben, just give a bit of a plug and I talk about it in regards to the Class of 92. We're so right to celebrate it in what, what everyone went on to achieve in terms of your Beckhams, Butts, Skulls, Kiggs, Nevilles, etc. What an amazing part of Man United history it is, no doubt. 
your story in, in regards to it, I wouldn't say it's a common story, but as I said, nine times out of ten players don't make it a career in football or especially mm-hmm. at the highest level. And it's a story that is so common but not often told. And the way you speak honestly about what happened, obviously tragic circumstances, I just think that's the story of the Class 92 and the success is a part of Manchester United history. But I'm telling you, Ben, not just because you're Sydney, your story there, that's just as part as just as big as part of Manchester United's history as anything else because we talk about the Youth Cup and how important it is for the club. Could you name a more famous Youth Cup win than your one? Um, certainly not with the names involved, I don't suppose. No, no, but, but that's, uh, that's what I mean. I think it's such, yeah. such a huge part and it's a fantastic story. And I urge everyone, there is a link in the description to the book um, if you haven't read it yet, I urge you to. But um, yeah, just a little bit about the book in terms of your thoughts on sort of expressing those feelings um, in the book. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I had no sort of no inclination to to write a book there's no question and and uh, the guy that co-wrote it with me Dan Poole terrific guy um he's a he sort of started following Manchester United when um when we were all really coming to to prevalence in uh, in, in the class of 92 um and he collared me going through London Euston train station um and said, you know, would you mind signing this for me? I've been, you know, a huge fan and I've been, you know, sort of watching the careers, not just the careers of the lads that are still there, but the careers of of, of, of people like yourself who've, who've gone on and done different things and, and as to the reasons why. Anyway, I went away from, from our chat and we had a cup of coffee together um, and he, he, he sort of took my number anyway, just for anything future. Uh, and he rang me up within a couple of hours and said, have you ever thought about writing a book? He said, because your story is something that uh, people may be slightly unaware of, but I think would be really excited to read. Uh, my first, you know, m- my first sort of instinct was to say, no, you know, I can understand if I was a David Beckham or a Paul Scholes or a Ryan Giggs that, you know, people would be, you know, clamouring over the shelves to, to want to take that mm. from it. But I, I wouldn't have thought that anybody was interested in mine, but the, the sort of way that Dan put it to me, that if I could get the people involved in the book, you know, for anybody that might have read it or wants to read it, you know, the likes of, you know, Brian Robson and and all the players that I was surrounded by at that time, not just the players that I was growing up with, but the first team as well, um, to give their insight into what they thought of me as a player prior to my injury uh, and what they then thought of me after. It sort of gave a little bit of an interesting twist, if you like, that it wasn't just it, it wasn't just like me telling my story. It was also, you know, somebody else, and not just somebody else, but you know, people like the you know the aforementioned, you know, Brian Robson and 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 all the players that were around at the time, you know, England internationals, people like Nobby Styles, who was my coach, obviously Sir Alex Fergus as well, who's been a you know a huge influential part on 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 all the the, the players' lives over the years. Um, so I looked at it from that and I, I just decided that, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, and we set about uh, we set about doing it. And, you know, I can't thank enough the people that, that got involved to, to help Dan write the book as well. All the players, I think there were about 50 or 60 of them that, that took their time out to, to speak to him or myself for, for a good couple of hours to, to try and get the, you know, the, the meatiness of the book in. And um, and yeah, it was a very cathartic exercise. I was able to you know express some views and and get things off my chest that were, were probably lingering from from the time the injury happened. Um, and it was a, a real, real worthwhile exercise that you know you know only I would say 
probably David Beckham and J.K. Rowling are going to make money, you know, a huge amount of money about writing a book. But it, I never did it for that. I did it because it was um, it was something that I, I, I was I was coaxed into, uh, and then while I was doing it, sort of thoroughly enjoyed it, and 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 uh, yeah, I I was really really pleased with the end product. Uh, definitely. As I said, there is a link in the description for anyone who hasn't read it. Um, please do. As I said, it's a fascinating story. Um, obviously, we do celebrate the success, but uh, as I said, just as big a part of that class of 92 and that story um, is there. Just a comment here just from my mum, just to wrap up then. Um, she's tuned in, saying, lovely to hear you chat to Tom about his number one love, apart from his wife, Jeanette. And it's a close first and second there. Interesting. Shout out. I'll have to, have, to, have to have some words with her. But um, Ben, it has been an absolute pleasure. You could talk Man United. And what an honour it is to have someone who's been there and done it in terms of Man United. We love talking with fans and talk with fans every single day, and I won't stop doing that. But the times we do have the sort of chance to actually talk to someone who's represented this club, um, it, it's just an honour. It's an honour to have you on here, mate. Um, truly appreciate your time. It's an absolute pleasure, Tom. Anytime. Not a problem. Best of luck. No, perfect, mate. As I said, um, please do leave a like on the video if you did enjoy that sort of Cristiano Ronaldo free discussion and sort of Frankie de Jong free discussion. Good to talk a little bit of youth football and fingers crossed some of these players sort of do make their own headlines and um, they can be mainstays of the podcast in um, the season to come. But make sure you are subscribed if you're new. Do appreciate all the support. Uh, Larry is over in Europe and sort of gallivanting around. He's obviously, he'll be going to the Brighton match. I'm going to cut that. He's creeping around that first game of the season. So um, keep an eye out for that. And um, we'll chat to you when we chat to you. Hopefully, who knows, Lissandro Martinez might be announced in a couple of hours or so, and we could be going back with um, a little bit of news in regarding that. But again, thank you, Ben. Cheers, Tom. All the best, mate. Thank you. Cheers, everyone, in the live chat. We'll chat to you when we chat to you. Cheers.